This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of high tibial osteotomy from the recon section on orthobullets.com. In this episode on high tibial osteotomy, we will start with a brief summary, then discuss the etiology, indications, contraindications, relevant anatomy, clinical presentation, imaging, varus producing tibial osteotomies, valgus producing tibial osteotomies, complications, and prognosis for high tibial osteotomies. As a brief summary, High tibial osteotomy, or HTO, is a surgical procedure that is performed to correct angular deformities of the knee to prevent development or progression of unicompartmental osteoarthritis. HTO is predominantly done to correct for various deformities in young patients, but can also be done to correct valgus deformities. Contraindications include inflammatory arthritis, flexion contractures greater than 15 degrees, bicompartmental osteoarthritis, and ligamentous instability. Beginning our discussion on HTO, we'll first start with a review on the etiology. Again, HTO is predominantly performed for varus deformities and less commonly for valgus deformities. Angular deformities in the knee leads to abnormal distributions of weight-bearing stresses. This can accelerate wear in the medial or lateral compartments of the knee and lead to degeneration. HTO is commonly combined with cartilage restoration procedures to provide better mechanical environments for biologic repair. Reviewing the indications and contraindications for HTO, indications include young, active patients less than 50 years old in whom an arthroplasty would fail due to excessive wear, and in healthy patients with good vascular status, non-obese patients, patients with pain and disability interfering with daily life, unicompartmental osteoarthritis, and a compliant patient that will be able to follow up postoperative protocol. General contraindications include inflammatory arthritis, obese patients with a BMI greater than 35, patients with flexion contracture greater than 15 degrees, patients with knee flexion less than 90 degrees, patients requiring a procedure for greater than 20 degrees of correction, and patients with patellofemoral arthritis, ligamentous instability, or a varus thrust during gait. Briefly touching on the relevant anatomy, the mechanical axis of the lower extremity can be assessed by drawing a straight line from the center of the femoral head to the center of the ankle joint. Normally, the line axis should pass just medial to the medial tibial spine. Clinical presentation of these patients begins with symptoms of pain on the medial or lateral side of the knee, and physical examination reveals knee malalignment. On imaging, radiographs show the knee malalignment using the mechanical axis line. A varus producing tibial osteotomy may be done for valgus knees with lateral compartment degeneration. The surgical goals of a varus producing tibial osteotomy is to unload the involved joint compartment by correcting the tibial malalignment and to maintain the joint line perpendicular to the mechanical axis of the leg. Varus producing tibial osteotomies are again indicated for valgus knees with lateral compartment degeneration. Deformity correction should be less than 12 degrees or else the joint line will become oblique. Specific contraindications include medial compartment arthritis, loss of the medial meniscus, and it is important to note that a distal femoral osteotomy may be better if lateral femoral condyle hypoplasia is present. Moving on to discuss valgus-producing tibial osteotomy, 
The goals of this procedure are to unload the involved joint compartment by correcting tibial malalignment and maintain the joint line perpendicular to the mechanical axis of the leg, and in this case, a medial unloader brace can be used for therapeutic and diagnostic purposes. If a patient benefits from the brace, they are likely to benefit from surgery. Valgus producing tibial osteotomy is indicated for a varus knee with medial compartment degeneration, which is more common. The best surgical results are achieved with overcorrection of the anatomical axis to 8 to 10 degrees of valgus. Specific contraindications include a narrow lateral compartment cartilage space with stress radiographs, loss of the lateral meniscus, lateral tibial subluxation greater than 1 centimeter, a medial compartment bone loss greater than 2 to 3 millimeters, and a varus deformity greater than 10 degrees. The technique for valgus producing tibial osteotomy may be divided into the lateral closing wedge technique, medial opening wedge technique, or the focal dome osteotomy. The lateral closing wedge technique is the most common technique performed. A wedge of bone is removed from the tibia via an anterolateral approach, and open reduction internal fixation of the wedge is performed. The advantages of lateral closing wedge technique include more inherent stability that allows for faster rehab and weight bearing, and no bone graft is required. A medial opening wedge technique may be performed with the transverse bone cut being made in the proximal tibia and being wedged open on the medial side. Open reduction internal fixation of the wedge is then performed. This has advantages of maintaining posterior slope of the knee, avoids proximal tibiofibular joint involvement, and avoids the peroneal nerve in the anterior compartment. Lastly, focal dome osteotomy is performed with the concavity proximally. The center of the dome is located at the center of rotation of angulation, or the cora. The advantages of focal dome osteotomy include correction of limb alignment with the least translation of bone ends, as well as the least translation of the anatomical axis and minimal shortening. Complications of high tibial osteotomy include a recurrence of deformity in which a 60% failure rate is seen after three years when a failure to overcorrect is performed and patients are overweight. You can also have a loss of the posterior slope of the knee, patella baja, which refers to a shortened patellar tendon which decreases the distance of patellar tendon from the inferior joint line which can be caused by raising the tibiofemoral joint line in opening wedge osteotomies or can be caused by retropatellar scarring and tendon contracture and can cause bony impingement of the patella on the tibia. Other complications include compartment syndrome, malunion, nonunion, and peroneal nerve palsy which is more common in lateral opening wedge osteotomies and lateral closing wedge osteotomies, but there is minimal risk in medial opening wedge osteotomy. Lastly, we will discuss the prognosis of high tibial osteotomies. For a varus producing high tibial osteotomy, the success rate is 87% over 10 years, and for a valgus producing high tibial osteotomy, the success rate is 50 to 85% in 10 years. Now that we've gotten a brief overview of this topic, Let's go through a few questions to see how this material has been tested in the past. Question 1. A 36-year-old male construction worker has had four years of progressively worsening left knee pain. The patient underwent a meniscal debridement when he was 23 years old. Examination in the clinic demonstrates mild varus malalignment with medial joint line tenderness and a positive McMurray and Thessaly tests. The ligamentous exam is otherwise normal. 
AP and lateral images are taken of the left knee with evidence of medial compartment arthritis with mild joint line space narrowing and subchondral sclerosis. You believe he would benefit from a valgus producing high tibial osteotomy. What is the therapeutic and diagnostic treatment you could provide prior to surgery that gives you evidence that the patient may benefit from the HTO? 1. Intraarticular corticosteroid injection. 2. Medial unloader brace. 3. Open patellar brace. 4. Knee strap brace. Or 5. Providing a prescription for NSAIDs. The correct answer is 2. A medial unloader brace. A medial unloader brace is a non-operative treatment that can both improve patient's symptoms and provide objective evidence if patients would benefit from valgus-producing high tibial osteotomy. Patients with isolated medial compartment arthritis that are young often benefit from medial opening wedge high tibial osteotomies. The function of the osteotomy is that it moves the mechanical axis from the medial compartment to the lateral compartment, offloading the affected compartment of the knee. A medial offloader brace works to hold the knee with a valgus strain to offload the medial compartment. If the patient has benefited from brace use, it provides evidence that a valgus producing HTO would provide pain relief and functional improvement. Ramsey et al. performed an observational study of medial unloader braces for medial compartment knee arthritis. They had 16 patients and used both a brace that restored neutral alignment and a valgus producing alignment with a two-week washout period in between. Additionally, they analyzed the patient's gait mechanics during brace wear. They found improvement in pain, the activities of daily living, symptomatology, and quality life with both braces, but the significance was greatest in the neutral alignment brace. They proposed that pain relief is from the changes in muscle mechanics with brace wear rather than offloading of the compartment alone. Rossi et al. reviewed HTOs in the setting of genuverum. Their ideal candidate is less than 65 years old with isolated medial knee arthrosis, a good range of motion, and no ligamentous instability. Postoperatively, the mechanical axis should pass through a point 62.5% across the tibial plateau from medial to lateral. They discussed techniques for both medial opening wedge and lateral closing wedge HTOs to provide the correction. They include a literature review that demonstrates survival rates of 70 to 97.6% at 10 years. Springer and Dorsbacher retrospectively reviewed 67 valgus-producing HTOs with a mean follow-up of 10.8 years. Overall survival at 5, 10, and 15 years were 86%, 74%, and 56% respectively. They found that postoperative genuvalgum of 8 to 16 degrees demonstrated improved survival compared to either greater or lesser angulation with a survival of 95% compared to 80% at 5 years and 90% versus 55% at 10 years. They concluded that the ideal valgus angle is 8 to 16 degrees. W. Dahl and Tuxvig Larsen evaluated 200 patients who underwent HTO via external fixation with 34 smokers and 166 non-smoker patients. Postoperatively, the smokers were 2.5 times as likely to have complications with the procedure. This included a risk ratio of 2.7 for delayed healing and 8.1 for pseudoarthrosis in smokers. The average time in the external fixator was 16 days longer for smokers. Amendola 
reviewed combined procedures of meniscal transplantation and knee osteotomy. He remarks that the prevention of overloading the new meniscus is essential and the indication for the combined procedure is when the mechanical axis passes through the affected compartment. The remainder of the paper describes his techniques for combined HTO with meniscal transplantation. To briefly review the incorrect answers, answer 1 and answer 5, an intraarticular corticosteroid injection or providing a prescription for NSAIDs may be appropriate and provide symptomatic relief, however, would not indicate if an HTO would benefit the patient or not. Answers 3 and 4, an open patellar brace or a knee strap brace, are incorrect as these braces are designed to provide stability to patellar motion. Question 2. Patella baja is most likely to occur after which of the following procedures? 1. Arthroscopic ACL reconstruction with cadaver allograft. Answer 2. PCL reconstruction using tibial inlay technique. Answer 3. High tibial osteotomy. Answer 4. MPFL reconstruction with semitendinosus autograft. Or answer 5. Total knee arthroplasty. The correct answer is 3. High tibial osteotomy. Patella baja is a well-known complication of high tibial osteotomies especially opening wedge osteotomies. This procedure raises the tibiofemoral joint line and can cause retropatellar scarring and tendon contracture, decreasing the distance of the patellar tendon from the inferior joint line. Wright et al. found that the patellar height after opening wedge medial tibial osteotomies decreased the patellar height in 100% of their patients. They explain that the decrease in distance between the patella and the tibiofemoral joint line following medial opening wedge proximal tibial osteotomy is a function of joint line elevation. Their results are important when considering possible future TKA in these patients, as patella baja may have deleterious effects on patellofemoral biomechanics for future procedures. Kolb et al. studied the short-term results of opening wedge high tibial osteotomies with locked plate fixation for patients with medial compartment arthrosis. Their results suggested that opening wedge high tibial osteotomy for pre-surgical varus deformity allowed for good short-term results and a correction of the deformity. Last question. A 42-year-old male construction worker presents with medial-sided knee pain. Weight-bearing AP radiograph of the right knee demonstrates isolated medial compartment arthritis. He reports a history of subtotal medial meniscectomy 12 years ago. He has failed conservative management including physical therapy and injections. He had initial success with the use of a medial and loader brace, however, it no longer provides relief. The patient has a BMI of 24. On examination, he has knee range of motion from 8 degrees to 130 degrees of flexion, a negative Lachman exam, and has a varus thrust during ambulation. Which of the following is a contraindication to a valgus-producing high tibial osteotomy in this patient? 1. Age 2. BMI 3. Lack of full knee extension 4. Medial compartment arthritis or 5. Varus thrust with ambulation The correct answer is 5. Varus thrust with ambulation. This patient has post-meniscectomy medial compartment arthritis. A varus thrust during gait is a contraindication to perform valgus-producing high tibial osteotomy. 
a VPHTO or valgus producing high tibial osteotomy is appropriate in this patient given his young age, high functional occupation, physical examination, radiographic findings, and initial response to medial unloader bracing. Technical considerations for a VPHTO include a medial opening wedge osteotomy, a lateral closing wedge osteotomy, or a focal dome osteotomy. A lateral closing wedge osteotomy has a faster rehabilitation and weight bearing. A medial opening wedge osteotomy maintains posterior slope while avoiding peroneal nerves and the proximal tibiofibular joint, but should be avoided in patients who smoke because of a concern for non-union. A varus thrust gait has been shown to be predictive of medial compartment OA progression and produces joint laxity laterally, which causes the entire force of the knee to be transmitted to the medial compartment, placing the medial compartment at greater risk for breakdown. Spranger et al. retrospectively reviewed the long-term results of 76 medial compartment gonarthrosis patients treated with a VPHTO. They found that survival at 10 years was 90% when the radiographic valgus angle at 1 year was between 8 and 16 degrees with arthroplasty as the endpoint. They conclude that there is a role for tibial osteotomy as an alternative to total knee arthroplasty in patients who are less than 60 years old. Rossi et al. reviewed the use of high tibial osteotomy. They report that medial compartment overload following meniscectomy is an indication for VPHTO. They conclude that its use is commonly accepted to correct alignment and achieving durable results. To briefly review the incorrect answers, answer 1, age, is incorrect as an age of 42 years is an indication for VPHTO. A VPHTO serves as an alternative to total knee arthroplasty in patients who are less than 60 years old. Answer 2, BMI. This patient has abnormal BMI, which is not a contraindication to VPHTO. Answer 3, a lack of full knee extension, is incorrect as although limitations in knee range of motion may be a contraindication to VPHTO, generally, a flexion contraction of greater than 15 degrees or knee flexion less than 90 degrees are the contraindications to VPHTO. And lastly, answer 4, isolated medial compartment arthritis in a young active patient is an indication for VPHTO. That is all for this review on high tibial osteotomies. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com. And in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or the mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value so far from the OrthoBullets podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, please be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.